Good morning, church. Great to be with you this morning. My name is Rich. I'm part of the leadership team here at King's. And as Nicholas said, we're continuing on this journey, God's plan for your well-being. Now, of course, behind this series is a conviction that God wants to do us good, that the creator God wants you to thrive and flourish. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is interested in your well-being? See, if we're going to live the life that God has created us for, a life of loving God and loving others and displaying his goodness to those around us, then our well-being matters. Throughout this series, we're looking at six different areas of well-being. And you can think of these kind of like fuel tanks and they're connected with each other. I know this, that when I'm drained physically, it affects my emotions. When I'm spiritually empty, it affects my sense of purpose. Well, today we're looking at our emotional well-being. Now, we're focusing this series around the story of Elijah, this great Old Testament prophet. And it's clear that Elijah experienced different contrasting emotions. He had times where he was full of faith, bold and courageous and fearless. And he has times of real low where he hits rock bottom. It says of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 verse 3, he came to a broom tree sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Ever felt like that? It's encouragingly human, isn't it? Now, I recognise I'm talking here to a diverse group of people and there will be different attitudes when it comes to emotions. You might be someone who is very emotional, You could be watching a film and all of a sudden you're reaching for the tissues in floods of tears. Maybe you love talking about your emotions, getting together with friends and chatting about feelings. Or maybe you're someone who is, let's say, a little less in touch with your emotional side. Maybe for you, feelings and emotions, well, it's all just a little bit fluffy. And really, you'd rather not go there. If that's you, stay with me. However emotional we think we are, if we're going to thrive, particularly in the times we're in right now, then what we're looking at today is so important. Now, as Ron said last week, there are countless self-help books you could read on well-being. Great books from psychologists, counsellors, many of them with wise, practical advice on how to handle your emotions well. But we want to focus here on what the Word of God says. As the church, as people who've had our lives changed by Jesus and who are trying to follow him, what should we do with our emotions? And in particular, in the season we're in now, how can we take care of our emotional well-being? And if you're watching this morning and you're not a Christian, then the invitation is open to you too to come to know Jesus. He invites you this morning to see the hope that he brings, to know him as your saviour and to walk with him. We're going to look at a passage from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul is writing here to encourage the believers in Corinth. He's talked about the truth of the gospel and the light that it brings. And then he writes this wonderful passage in chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He writes this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. 
So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you're here with us this morning. And I thank you that you have a plan for our well-being. You want to do us good. Well, Lord, would you soften our hearts this morning? And would you open our ears so that we might hear and take in the deep truth that you want to speak to us today? And we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to highlight three things this morning from this passage about how we might handle our emotions. And the first is simply this. Be honest, you're human. Be honest, you're human. Over the past year, we've all been experiencing different levels of stress, perhaps like never before. For you, it might have felt, and it, and it might feel right now, like you're hard pressed on every side. I think sometimes we think that because we're Christians, we ought to be smiling and happy all the time in any season, whatever life throws at us, however hard pressed we are. I don't believe that's what the Bible shows us. See, when Paul writes about treasure in jars of clay, he's describing the reality of what it is to be a carrier of the presence and the glory of God. And at the same time, to be a fragile, weak human being in a world that's broken and suffering. And for us to experience and articulate that broken world through human emotions. One of the things I've noticed over the past year is how volatile I've been emotionally, how up and down I've been. Just ask Alice, my wife. I made a quick list of some of the emotions I've experienced recently. Here are just a few. Disappointment and frustration. This has been massive this year. All kinds of things cancelled. Our kids missing out on things they would have enjoyed. Sadness. Not being able to see friends and family. Boredom. Life just seems to have lost its colour. Joy. It's not all been bad. We've had more family time, playing games with the kids, walks, movie nights. Anger. Being all together in the house all the time can cause a little bit of stress. Despair. How long will all this go on? Now, is that right? Should I be feeling these things? When we say that God has a plan for our well-being, I don't think we're saying that God just wants us to be happy all the time. You know, it's deeper and more profound than that. God's plan for your life is that you become more like his son, Jesus. So what is Jesus like? Well, Jesus, as well as being totally divine, was the most truly human person who ever lived. He shows us what it is to live the perfect human life. And when I read the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, I see a man who's incredibly emotional. In fact, if anything, he's more emotional, not less emotional than I am. 
In Matthew 9, verse 35, it says of Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus ached for people. He had a deep compassion for them. Jesus got angry. In Jerusalem, he entered the temple courts, drove out those who were buying and selling and overturned the tables of the money changers. Jesus was often deeply moved. In John's gospel, after Lazarus has died, his sister Mary falls at Jesus' feet. And John writes, Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping. And he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 35 simply says, Jesus wept. And of course, we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus looked ahead to all that was coming, we see him wrestling with deep emotions. Scripture says he was overwhelmed with sorrow. Jesus felt deeply. We have emotions because emotions are in the heart of God and we're made in his image. Emotions are an essential part of being human. God has made you with a beating heart that's meant to hurt with the sadness of this world. There are things we're meant to feel sad and sorrowful about. So what do we do with emotions like this? Well, first, be honest about how we're feeling. Take these honest emotions to God. Tell him how we're really feeling. Have you done that recently? The book of Psalms is a real gift to us in this, in teaching us how to deal with our emotions. Do you know, almost a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. They are prayers to God that are dark, that are from the pit of despair. Psalm 88 is a great example of this. It begins dark and it ends dark. The psalmist writes, my soul is full of trouble. My eyes are dim with grief. The darkness is my closest friend. It's pretty raw stuff, isn't it? It's brutal even. Do you ever go there? Are your prayers ever that raw? Do you ever take time to lament? I believe that in these times, God wants us to bring our honest emotions to him, no matter how sad they may seem, so that he can help us deal with them. So be honest. Tell God how you really feel. Tell him what hurts. Tell him what you're frustrated or angry about. He wants to hear your heart. Trust him with these things. And share these things too with one or two close friends. Jesus did this in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said to Peter and James and John, these three friends who'd walked closely with him, he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Tell your close trusted friends what's really going on in your heart. And be aware of unexpressed grief in your life. Over the last year, many of you will have experienced all kinds of loss. For some of you, losing a loved one. Not being there for the birth of a grandchild, missing a friend's wedding, your kids missing out on things they would have done at school this year, missed opportunities and holidays and milestones and landmarks. If we don't deal with how we're really feeling about these things, if we don't process these emotions before God, it can end up affecting us in all kinds of other ways. It will affect our spiritual well-being. It might affect how we feel physically. So tell God how you feel. Take time to lament. The Christian author and evangelist Glenn Scrivener writes that even our despair can be worship when we take it to God. Even our despair can be worship when we take it to God. I like that because that way we're trusting God to help us handle these things. We're relying on his power and not our own. Paul writes, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. 
So firstly, be honest with God about how you're feeling. What next? How else can we improve our emotional well-being? We can control what we fix our eyes on. There are a lot of things right now that we're facing that are completely outside of our control. And we'll have different views about them, different views about the government response, about the lockdown. But we can't control these things. In the book, The Lord of the Rings, there's a moment where Frodo talks about the evil and the pain in the world. And he's upset about it. And so he complains to Gandalf. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. See, we we may wish that all this hadn't happened. But the question for us is, what will we choose to do with the things that we can control? So what can we control? We can control what we fix our eyes on. Paul writes, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what are you fixing your eyes on? Do you ever find that how a day begins can affect how you feel for the rest of the day? For me, if the first thing I do when I wake up each morning is reach for my phone and read the news, I find it affects my emotions. Or if I focus on all the things that I'm missing out on instead of the things I'm thankful and grateful for, then I'll find myself disappointed. Now, I'm not suggesting that we ignore what's going on in the world, but I'm asking, what are we choosing to let our minds dwell on? What are we fixing our eyes on? The most joy-filled people I know are people whose joy isn't determined by temporary ups and downs. No, their joy is determined by the treasure they always carry in their hearts. Their joy is determined by a knowledge that Jesus died for them and was raised for them and that one day they'll see him in his glory. As the Apostle Paul puts it, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. To live like this, to have our eyes fixed on him, is to have a deep joy that earthly things can't touch. It's to live with a firm foundation. See, if I really believe that this book, the Bible, is truth, then surely I should let the eternal truth in here guide my emotions much more than the temporary things going on around me. Our emotions are important, but they can't be the sole gauge of truth. Now, we need to build our lives on something firmer than just our feelings. Because, you know, so often our feelings are influenced and affected by other things. See, when I compare my emotions to Jesus' emotions, what I notice is this, that Jesus' emotions were always godly. They were always righteous. They were always based on truth. But mine aren't. Yes, Jesus got angry, but he got angry about injustice and suffering. When Jesus wept, it was out of a compassion for people. But me, I I can, on a bad day, get angry about a bowl of cereal being spilt on the floor. My emotions, like every part of me, are tainted and broken by the fall. There are often other things going on under the surface. There's an insecurity, impatience, a need for control. So rather than allowing my feelings to shape my day, I need to focus instead on the truths in the Bible, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's when my mind begins to be renewed and my emotions, my feelings start to follow. So let's get practical here. What sorts of things help you to regain the deep joy of knowing Jesus? 
What really helps you? Practically, what choices will you make when you wake up tomorrow morning? Will you reach for the news app on your phone or will you turn to the word of God? Through the week, knowing what your life is like, what can you do to help you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? Is it to listen to that worship song or that band or that particular preacher? Maybe it's just making that 10 minute gap in the day to process your thoughts and feelings. Maybe to look under the surface and to ask the question, why am I feeling that way? Maybe for you it's to go on a prayer walk or to do something creative. What things fill you with a deep joy? As those who carry the truth of the light of the gospel, let's choose to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And finally, if we want to increase our emotional well-being, let's look to give courage to one another. When I'm feeling down and discouraged, I know that one of the most simple and helpful things that I can do is to stop thinking about me and to reach out to someone else. I love how in verse 15, Paul writes, all this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. See, if anyone understood the storms of life, it was the Apostle Paul. Paul had been shipwrecked, he'd been beaten, he'd been flogged and imprisoned. So when he says we are hard pressed on every side, Paul knows what he's talking about. And yet how did Paul spend his time? Well, he wrote letters to encourage the church, to encourage other believers, literally to come alongside others and to give them courage for the fight. Now, right now, the longer this lockdown goes on, maybe the greatest battle for many of us is to not lose heart, to not become discouraged, to not let everything that's happening around us in the world to rob us of joy. And for that, we need one another. One of the effects of the lockdown is that it's made our world smaller. People used to see every Sunday morning, if only just in passing. We don't see each other now. We don't notice the things we'd normally notice. We're naturally less involved in each other's lives. And if we're not careful, we can become unaware of each other's struggles. And our thoughts and our feelings can become very insular. This is a tough season we're in. But we're still the church. We're still called to love each other and to build each other up, to get alongside one another and give each other courage for the fight. So who could you cheer on this week? Who could you call or text or write to to encourage? Who could you give courage to? It will help them and it will help your own emotional well-being too. We may feel hard-pressed right now. But who knows, but that we were made for such a time as this. Have you considered that? That when God created us in his infinite wisdom, he knew we'd go through these times. And so we can believe that he has created us for now. He calls us to carry his glory into the world now. See, in the story of Elijah, when he was going through a time of despair, wracked with fear, the Lord picks him up and restores him emotionally. God understands what he needs and he deals with those things. He restores Elijah's heart and then he sends him back out with a purpose. In these times, one great way to improve our emotional well-being is to remind ourselves that we're part of a bigger picture. Church, we have a bigger story than the current world narrative and it's a story of hope. We have a sure and firm hope that Jesus died for us and was raised for us. And not just for us, but for many who don't yet know him. 
And that if we follow him and trust in him for our strength, then these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I love that, an eternal glory. Just imagine that with me for a moment. See, the Lord's promise to us as his church is that one day we get to see him And there'll be no more times of suffering or pain. And the Lord will wipe away every tear from our eyes and we'll enjoy an unending season of glory. And you might say to me, well, you don't know my situation. You don't know how hard pressed I am right now. And that's true. But if that's you, I want to encourage you to look to the one who wasn't just hard pressed, but who was crushed for you. See, Jesus' compassion for you did not stop at Gethsemane. It took him to Golgotha. And there, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Out of a deep love for you, he took on death and he walked away from the grave. And now he watches over your life. Does God lack compassion for you? No, no. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the very heart of God. He's still angered by any injustice you face. He still weeps with the sadness of this world. And he still loves you with that same depth of love. Church, look to him and don't lose heart. How do we handle our emotions well in these times? Let's be honest with God about how we're feeling. Let's control what we fix our eyes on. And let's look for ways to see the bigger picture and to reach out and encourage others. Amen. Amen.